0: Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. on
1: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to your program, this is, of course, Madrasa on E, and this is Developing Islam in Me, the Hajj edition. I'm your host, Yasmina Peterson, along with special guests in studio, none other than Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. And we are currently also on our topic of the fiqh of Hajj. However, I now hand over to Sheikh to. Greet us, inshallah, as well as doing the opening dua for us. Sheikh, Assalamu alaikum.
0: Shukran wa alaikum, salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Now, yourself and his Mina.
1: Alhamdulillah, Sheikh, how are you doing?
0: Alhamdulillah, <laughs> Allahumma, Alhamdulillah, Shukan, mashallah. Alhamdulillah, you had the salatu wa salam wa alaikum 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 kawli. wa wa اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما عندنا وارزقنا ايضا من يد الجلال والاكرام ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا فان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين صلى الله على سيدينا ومولانا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وبارك وسلم Subhana rabbika rabbil azzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-musaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Alhamdulillah, oh, thanks and praises due to Allah Hu always and forever. In 11th salam to our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the messenger of Allah Hu Tala have sent as the final messenger of all the messengers to be able to come to the final ummah. The last people that will live as human beings that needs to follow the path of Allah. And that messenger carry that message for all of them. May Allah grant us to be of them. May Allah grant us to be able to be subservient to Him. Ready to fulfill His message. For He was sent by Allah with a book. And his lifestyle, that you and I can have no excuse, Yawm al Qiyamah, that we need to love Islam in accordance with what Allah has sent with him. Salah and Salaam upon him, his family, his friends, and all those who follow his path. May Allah grant us to be among them. Ameen, 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 Ya Rabbil Alameen, Ya Rab. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Thanks and praise to <laughs> Allah. Before we go into recapping of what we did yesterday, can we just make our dua? I'll do the layman as she's on the regime, Rahman, Rahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Adameen, Arrahman, Rahim. Maliki, Yomidine, Yakanabud, Yakanestain. Eheadina Sirah Al Mustaqim, Sirah Al Ladina and Amta Adayim, Gayril Magdu Biadayim, Walla آمين. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد في الأولين وصل وسلّم على سيدنا في الآخرين وصل وسلّم على سيدنا محمد في ملأ الأئلة حتى ترث الأرض ومن عليها وأن تخير الورثين يا رب الآلمين. ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا فئن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكنن من الخاسرين اللهم اجعل الحجاج حجهم حج مبرورا وسعيهم سعي مشكورا وذنبهم ذنب مغفورا وعملهم صالحا مقبولا وتجارتهم لن تبور يا نور النور يا عالم ما في الصدور اخرجنا واياهم من الظلمات الى النور ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنة وقينا أذاب النار ودخلنا الجنه مع الابرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله سيدنا محمد واصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزه وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Alhamdulillah, in yesterday's uh, lesson, we dealt in this, uh, the, the issue of dealing with what we call the virtues of Hajj and after having dealt with what the virtues of Hajj was, we went over to the ruling of Hajj what is the ruling that there is that the scholar speaks to us that we need to understand? And after the ruling, we went to the Hajj of the youth and the Hajj of the slave. Thereafter, we went to the Hajj of the of what is the meaning of having the means to perform the Hajj, understanding what it entails. When Allah says, "Manistata' alayhi sabila," what does that entail for us? To have to see that we are those people who prepared ourselves. We've looked at that and then we went over to the hajj Of the woman and and, and what happens with her and her, her needs and what does it entail for her? The exact same like everybody else whatever is that consists of Manista ta'a sabila and part of that we said for the woman is the added fact that she needs to be able to be with a person a family member somebody who she can't get married to as a male that must accommodate her on the journey for hajj. And then thereafter we did the process of not delaying to perform the Hajj Allah has granted you the ability and you have all the things that goes with that. Thereafter we did the time restrictions. And in the time distinctions, we went to the understanding of what Allah tell us is, yes. They ask you to, about the the moon and its various stages. Say to them, it, the moon, and its various stages is an instrument of time, telling man when and how he should be able to do his things. Wherever he finds himself while Hajj, as well as Hajj, telling them when is it that they need to be able to hold the process of Hajj, as per the lunar Luna month. And then Allah mentions to us as part of the, the time restrictions. Allah Taala says, "Al Hajj, al Hajj ashurum Ma'lumat. Hajj is in the known in the well-known Luna months, right? Subhanak laahu ashur." Month, as a ma'loom that is well known. Which means, the scholar says on that, in the hadith of Sayyidina Umar, of, of Ibn Umar, Abdullah Ibn Umar, that the months of Hajj are Shawwal, the 10th month of the year, Dhul-Qa'dah, the 11th month of the year, and the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah, the 12th month of the year. Now if you notice, Dhul-Qa'dah and Dhul-Hijjah is the two months that Allah has made. Uh, um, that follow one another that Allah has made uh, um, what we call sacred, and then thereafter comes the month of uh, after Dhul Hijjah, Muharram. So it's Dhul Qa'da, Dhul Hijjah, and Muharram, which is the three months that's sacred, two months of the three of months before that is the three months of, of which is a well known month or the the second or the known months of Hajj, Shawwal, Dul Qadah Dul Hajjah, and Shawal comes immediately after the month of Ramadan. So which means we have Ramadan and immediately after Ramadan we have the, the process of the the Hajj months which we have just gone through or are busy with in our process at the moment. We've just completed Shawwal, we've entered into uh, Dul qadah we at the beginning of the Qit and the Qada. The Qada is a sacred month among the sacred months. Now Allah has chosen it to be one of the sacred months, right? So may Allah accept from us that we actually do our best, and it is the process wherein Allah Taala allows the Hajjaj to travel to get to wherever so that they can get to perform the the Hajj when they get in the the, the, the Hajj season, and then. After that, we need to go, or we've come, that is to what we have did yesterday, we need to go to the other restrictions that there is, which they call the, the physical restrictions or the physical place restrictions, or the locale. And and, and, and those restrictions are, are when a person is in, in the state of Haram, or he wants to enter into Haram. How does he go about that? And Ibn Abbas, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said that the messenger of Allah specified certain places for certain people as they travel. Or when they are from that area, they need to be able to see. The, 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 he, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said that the messenger of Allah specified Dhul-Hulaifa as the meek for ma- the people of Medina. Uh, Al-Hulaifa. Dhul hulayfa as a miqat for the people of Medina and then for the people of the greater people of Syria the Nabi has uh, 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 given them the place Al-Juhfa. Juhfa is not very far from, from Jeddah and then the other one is the people of the south, the people of Yemen. The place for them is to be able to be yalamlam, and the people of Najd, the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wa sallam, has chosen qarnul manazil to be their, their place. And the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wa said, Hunna lahunna wadiman ataa alayhinna min ghayri ahlihinna. Those are for those people. Those places as mentioned by the Nabi sallallahu الله عليه are the places as miqats for those people from those areas. Hunna waliman atta' alayhinna <laughs> And whosoever comes traveling through those places wherever they come from, right? If they come from their own people and they come through that, those places, then when they enter those places, there they need to see that they enter the state of ihram.
1: Beautiful, and we are now going to be continuing on our topic, being the fiqh of Hajj, that is with none other than Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams, Sheikh Tafadhali Charles.
0: You for that one, Yasmina. We were looking at what we call the local restrictions, the, the the restrictions that have to do with place. And uh, Nabi Wasallam says with means, when we speak about the restrictions here, that the person cannot extre- uh, go th- bar- past these places without having to be in the state of Haram. When he gets to these places on the way to Makkah then he needs to, at these places, enter into the state of Ihram. The words of the Nabi's advice is to be able to use Dhul-Hulaifa as the miqat for the people that come through Medina. The people that go through Syria, Syria, um, they must be able to do the miqat of Al-Juhfa. The people that go through the south, uh, um, uh, the Yemeni area coming from there, those people must be able to do the, 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 the Ihram uh, at Yalamnam. And uh, the people that go through the Najid area must be able to do it at Karnul Manazil. And then the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as we said, said that those people who go through those areas, or of those areas, they need to be able to take that as the Miqat. And whosoever of them travels through there from wherever they come from, so you could be traveling through. Uh, um, you're from the south, but you travel th- through a northern northern border. Then at that border, as mentioned by the Alaihi Wasallam, you need to be able to get through the ihram. Like, for instance, what happens to us, the people in South South Africa? We enter this, the the, uh, the the place of of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. And and we enter at Jeddah we then go to or sometimes we don't even stop at Jeddah we go straight to Medina and there we enter into the we uh, um, Visit the uh, the sacred city and the masjid of the nabi sallallahu wasallam And then the person leaves from there, so he now goes through the what we call the northern border uh, that a person must be in the state of Ihram, he goes through there, so obviously that's dhul Hulaifa. so he needs to then see that he enters into the state of Ihram at dhul Hulaifa. and similarly the Nabi whosoever is from those other areas is not from the same area, but goes through the other Miqat then when he gets at those mekat, which is the border, the, the border post for ihram, then the person must be able to enter into the ihram state there and then proceed. Um, um, it's mentioned in, in another hadith that the Prophet Aisha says, it is uh, designated that that as The meekah for the people of Iraq, which means the city of data <coughs> as is, uh, so what we do see we see around Makkah um, for uh, an idea there is the people of the north coming from Medina and the area of the northern sectors for them. there is the, the uh, um, What we call the holaifa? And then for the people of Syria, the Syrian uh, the route that comes down, they need to be able to be and use the, 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 the Miqat al Juhfa And then the people that comes from the southern part, Yemen and, 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 and those people traveling through that part, their Miqat is Yalamnam. And then the people of Najid, um their Miqat is, now that would be as to say almost far east, for them is the miqat of Karnul Manazil. These are all areas around Makkah. And then that is for the people of Iraq. If we look at those totals, we see there's a northern border, there's an eastern border, there's a, a northwestern border, uh, north, yeah, north. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, there's a northern border, which is the one of Medina. There is uh, uh, um, the, the the eastern border, uh, which is juhfa There is the southern border, which is Yalamlam. There is the uh, 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 um, western uh, western border, or the Easter uh, the eastern border, that is um, of Najat, which is Karn- Karnul Manazil. And there is a northeastern, a northeastern border, which is Zata'ark. Um, those are the five borders. Whoever people come through Makkah, come through there, they must be able to be in a state of ihram when they come through those places. In the advice of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whosoever is on hajj, a person is not allowed to be able to come for, for hajj or umrah passing those borders without having to go into the state of Ihram. Before he reaches these places, he must be able to get himself ready, and at those places he needs to be able to go into the state of Ihram. So his physical state of Ihram and his spiritual state of Ihram, the physically can dress in the clothing somewhat earlier, but needs to be able to enter into that state of Ihram not later than being at the or going past those places. illa Billah. And the scholar says to us that if a person is not he passes the miqat without entering the viable state, then that person unfortunately, if a person passes the miqat without entering the state of ihram, which he has intended for Hajj or for Umrah, then that person is a sinner in the sight of Allah ta'ala such a person is a sinner comes a sin, and there is no way for him to be able to rectify that except for having to go back to the mekat which means if he passed over the meekot over the border then unfortunately he needs to go back to the border that is the the penalty on him right and he then has to come in. But if a person does not return back, then unfortunately he is as a person on Hajj, being a sinner, or in a person Umrah, being a sinner and having to do it that way, right? Um, there is no other uh, ruling, as the scholar says, on such a person, uh, except for the fact that uh, that person needs to then that person needs to go back to that border, as we said. Uh, Or the Miqat as they are known, right? If a person If a person The the Messenger of Allah As the Messenger of Allah did not order a man Who was wearing a garment That have woman's perfume on it To do anything except remove that garment And wash off the, the perfume then on that merit, the Zahaabah said that the, he did, 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 there was no order on that person that he must be able to do any other than having to return back there, otherwise he would be, in, would be considered as a sinner. Now, if a person enters the state of ihram, if the person enters the state of ihram, at the meek obviously, the person should be reading aloud the esmails, the 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 words La Baikallahumma mm-hmm. la bake, la bayka la sharikalaka wa la baik inna alhamda wa ne'amatalaka walmut la sharikalak. Now the person should be knowing whether he is doing a hajj or an umrah and he must say la baika hajjan or la bayka umratan. Now if a person say doesn't say those words aloud, but he knows what he's doing, then it's absolutely right. There's nothing wrong. There's no specific uh, factor that he must say those words, that he is doing it uh, for Hajj or for Umrah specifically. But it's, it's, it's good for him to know, and it's recommended for him to be able to say that. And this is where the scholar says, is the only place that shows us in the process of what we say the Niyya, that's really clearly cut out for us under the fiqh processes. Nowhere else, there's not a niyyah written for us by the Nabi Muhammad wasallam, which is our teacher, who said to us, we must be able to say the words in niyyah. He taught us the niyyah is something in the heart. If you do not say its words and you mean, like for instance, the person takes wudu with the intention to perform the Salah. And he knows it's a du'ar's walked is in And he's uh, heard the adhan and is prepared to be able to go to the masjid to perform the salah Or not at the masjid for that matter Then that person goes with the intention to perform the duhr salah If he says, when he starts with the salah Allahu Akbar, without having to say Nawaitu usalli the salah al صَلَاثَ رَكَعَاتٍ مُسْتَقْبِلَ الْقِبْلَةِ أَدَاءً ma'muman اُوْ He doesn't say those words. Then his salah, there's nothing wrong with the salah. His salah is actually perfect. As long as he had the intention in his heart. Similarly with the fact that the person had the intention to do something, and that intention was pure. Referring to the state of the miqat where he had gone to go and he intended to go through and enter into the state of Ihram and he just forgot to say any words, then those words would not affect the ihram as long as he knew what was his intention. If he did not say umratan or um, uh, he says, لَبَيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ لَكَ لَبَيْكَ لَبَيْكَ hajjatan or Umratan. He didn't say it that way. Then his, his ihram is quite perfect and his Umrah that he does is quite perfect and his hajj that he does is quite perfect. There's nothing wrong with that because the niyya is something which you need to understand, which you need to have at heart and know. It's recommended for us as Sunnah the scholar says that we need to be able to put words on our tongue as a reminder to ourselves and our hearts for what we are going to do. Many a time we say we're doing something, I have an intention, but my mind has been distorted by other things. And thus the scholar says to us, It will be recommended if you can just say words to be able to remind you what you need to say. But whosoever forgets his words, for sure, they are not kept responsible. What is important in the action of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when entering the state of ihram, that the person needs to know what he is doing. And on the hajj of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he made it clear that the umrah forms part of the hajj and is not to be separated from that moment on for those people who goes on Hajj, inshallah.
1: Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. For now, I hand over back to Sheikh to continue where she stopped. Bismillah, Sheikh.
0: Alhamdulillah, shukran for that one. Um, and, 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 and Yasmina, the scholars says to us, every pilgrim must perform the Umrah with the Hajj, as would be called Tamattu', recommended by the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As 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 if, if, if a person did not perform a umrah prior, and if a person did perform an umrah prior in at, at other times, when he enters into the state of ihram, coming and in, in the period in the Hajj period, he, if he is not performing the Hajj as a, tahajj, a Hajj Hajj with is, is uh, a, ifrad, a, a Hajj on its own, then it's strongly recommended that that person must perform the tamattu'. Because Allah wanted to make it easy for us. When the person enters the state of if, ifrad or kiran, the person needs to stay in ihram all the time and cannot leave from the state of ihram until the hajj is completed. Whereas the tamattu was to alleviate that essence from the ummah of the Nabi Muhammad وسلم, that deep concern, and that's, that Allah wanted for them to be able to enjoy the processes of Makkah. Enjoy the fact that Allah has given them to be the the rights that they have But they also can enjoy one another as husband and wife Or their freedom that they have During the process of them being in Mecca Yet having to return into the ihram state And thus the scholar says that the umrah belongs to the hajj Which is in the hajj of Mecca Or or if the person goes with the intention to perform the hajj in the month of of, the months of hajj and then he enters in, into the state of tamattu' Then he actually in actual fact draws an umrah Into the hajj period Or into the hajj that he is doing So he does the umrah Leave himself from the umrah And then go, carries on The intention is to go into a tamattu' Hajj And that brings the whole process together Subhanak la hawla wa la illa billah The exception is that A person who does not perform a hajj does not enter into Arafah. A person who performs hajj obviously as hujaj, um which means if you just do an umrah outside the hajj period, then you just there is no entry into the area of of Arafah. Whereas a person who uh, does the hajj and uh, alone the, the hajj alone, he does everything which uh, the hajj, which is called ifrad. He does so. He does everything in the whole hajj. Whereas Uh, And get to perform all the processes of the hajj and only after that he enters out of the state of Ihram. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. May Allah grant khair and to all our hujaj and grant him to be able to be of those people who try to do those things to the best of their ability. Um, And... it is also said that a person who goes for Hajj when a woman was once she asked the Nabi sallallahu that uh, that she is sickly she is weak she wants to know if she can go for Hajj the Nabi sallallahu said she said to the Nabi Allah I'd love to perform the Hajj but I do not feel but I do feel sick I do feel weak so the Nabi sallam told her make the Hajj but uh, put down a condition to Allah Taala, saying, "Oh Allah, I will finish my inviolable state, my state of haram, wherever you refrain me from going further. Meaning, if you stop me, that that words that we've said earlier on, wa mahil." Uh, If anything prevents me, O Allah, if there is things that can probably prevent me from having to fulfill, I ask you to allow me to be able to leave the state of ihram there where the preventation happens to me. May Allah grant and so. Adding that to, as part of our uh, uh, um, intention would be then a consideration for having to ask for permissibility. Remember, we mentioned in the verses of Allah, Allah says, if anything happens to you, if anything happens to you and you are prevented of it, then you must be able to see that there where you Prevent it. You stay there. You do not come out of the state of ihram until your hadi has been slaughtered in the city of Makkah. Now that could be an uncomfortable process, and thus the scholar says that which the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam recommended for this woman. If all of us say that as a preventative measure in the event of anything happening, um, I must probably want one to, to to show the processes. If for some reason or another, a person goes into ihram away from when he leaves home on his journey, like what has happened to our judge that has left from Cape Town and then there was problems that happened in in Johannesburg. If that person had to be in Ihram, then that person must withstand the state of Ihram if for that matter he finds himself in any uncomfortable things. And if the journey would have prevented him from having to carry on further, then he would need to stay in Ihram until the next year for Hajj. Ya Rabbi. What a situation! What a difficult task! And how does he overcome that? What if it's married people, which means he, during that state of ihram, he cannot have an inter- intimacy with his partner or her partner. The, these are the issue of understanding, the words of recognizing when the nabi said to this woman. وَإِنْ حَبَسَنِي حَابِسٌ فَحَمَّحِلُّي حَيْثُ حَبَسَّنِي O Allah, tell you, see, say it as part of your your entry into the state of ihram. If anything prevents me, O Allah, on my path, as a reason that can prevent me possible to fulfill, then please allow me to set myself free from the state of ihram, there where the prevention happens to me. Subhanak. And then you don't need to then slaughter an animal And you don't need to Because your your, your condition that you've put down has, in pre- has given you the freedom to be able To get out of the state of ihram Without having to be able to slaughter an animal And which coming out of ihram means you cut your hair uh, um, As what happens when you had to cut your hair At, at mustarifa at the end of the umrah Or at the end of the hajj May Allah open the path for all of us May Allah grant us What is best for our dunya And best for our akhir Inshallah
1: Shukran so much for that Sheikh And now in our topic Being the fiqh of hajj Where Sheikh is explaining Everything relating To uh, the fiqh aspects Regarding hajj For those of you Who are going on hajj And for those of you Who are making niyat To go on hajj Inshallah May Allah makbul All of your du'as Ameen However we now Cross over back to Sheikh To continue Where we stop Sheikh Tafattal
0: Shukran jazakal khid For that one And Yasmina. There is one other Some physical Processes that needs to be seen to, to as a restriction for Makkah. The scholar says that Allah mentioned to us in verse in Surah number 22, Surah Hajj, verse number 25, <laughs> <inaudible> Allah says, Verily really those who disbelieve and hinder men, from, and hinder people from the path of Allah, and from Masjid al-Haram in Makkah, which we have made open to all people, the dweller therein and the visitor from their countries are equal there as regard to that sanctity. For Hajj and for Umrah. And whoever inclines to evil actions therein or to do wrong, such a person we shall cause to taste from a painful torment. Ya Rab, this is Allah's words. One need to say to us that the sense of the understanding of the respect and the adab that the person must have for Makkah is very much so that part of that Thus the Nabi sallallahu alayhi mentioned to us in a hadith, لا بالهم قبل العمل إلا بمكة. No place in this world will a slave be kept, kept responsible for his thoughts or his concerns before any, action, before any act, except for Makkah. Meaning, at Makkah, if you have a thought or you have a dream or you have a wish or intention to do something, then if you haven't done it yet, just your intention, it's recorded as done. Now, usually that would be wonderful for, for a person who's doing the things, um, whether with the with the uh, positives are concerned. Like, example, the person thinks at night, or he goes to take a rest, and he says to himself, Inshallah, when I stand up, I wish to, in the middle of the night, I wish to stand up and I wish to be able to take a little bath or hustle and a wudu, and I wish to prepare myself and I want to go off to the haram and I want to make salah, want to make salah in the haram and I want to make tawaf and I have some zamzam to drink. Is thought that he's having in his mind. Is already recorded as an act done, says the Nabi. Wa and if he does the act, which means the moment he gets to stand up and do all those things that he intended to do, then for what he did will be recorded that multiplied by 100,000. Allahu Akbar. Our Nabi wa says to us that the value of the, 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 of the haram of Medina is the value of. The value of one salah in the Haram of Medina is the value of a thousand salah anywhere else, and the value of great in any any other masjid in the house, in, in this dunya, except for Makkah. Says the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, there the value is multiplied by a hundred thousand times. Allahu akbar, showing to us the greatness that this person is doing in ibadah of a very high status. And that the person should be cognizant of his ibadah, and that he does everything to the best of his ability to be able to show that respect for the place that he is at. And he revere that and take that. Because what happens, as we said in the hadith, there's no place in this dunya where your thought, or your dream, or your imagination, or your wish, or your intention is to be able to be... Considered as an act done Except for in Makkah. So if you think negative in Makkah as well Immediately it's recorded As an act done You see a fruit You see a fruit And you say to yourself Wow I'd like to have that And suddenly you feel in your mind that uh, What if I, I take it uh, Then it's recorded You have stolen Immediately you have stolen Mecca It would show then in the book By Allah that you have shown the moment you retract and make istighfar, Allah will grant you your istighfar immediately. And, but it is the fact that Allah wants us to say, let's give reverence to the place. Let's give reverence to the peer. And so your entry into the state of haram is a sense of reverence. And so your entry at the, the miqat, to give that reverence of what Allah wants, and you put yourself into that state of reverence and honor and dignity for the place, and the, 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 the time that Allah has glorified it in, because of Allah and His messenger of Allah to have guided us you and me. And we do so to honor and revere the place and give that honor and dignity and realize how fortunate we are and having to be able to take control of our actions and our deeds. And may Allah grant our hujads to be able to all be part of that successes, that they obtain the processes of fulfilling the ibadah in the best possible manner. Uh, and I think that has brought us to the end of the understanding of what there is. From that aspect, we are now going over to the aspect of the sunnah acts of the hajj. And then after the sunnah acts, we will go to the fard acts thereafter. But we will see what we do now of the sunnah acts as first, right? There's these, uh, uh, um, certain components which is obligatory, which is essential, which is Sunnah, all acts of worship uh, during the Hajj, and we will de- deal that. And then the Sunnah acts of Hajj is seven different things that needs to be seen to. The first of that, the Sunnah related in that state of ihram, is making ghusl uh, before entering into the state of ihram which means you do a a, a, a bath uh, uh, specifically to be able to enter the, the state of ihram There is one sunnah because that was taught to us by the nabi muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam zaid ibn thabit related that he saw the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam remove his clothing and enter the to enter the state of ihram and f- before that he did the ghusl and the second one is applying perfume to one's body before entering the state of ihram. Sayyidatina Aisha radiallahu anha said, I would perfume the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam for his state of ihram when he was about to enter into it. And when he exited from the state of ihram before succumbulating the house. La hawla wa la illa Showing to us. That it is recommended to be able to use uh, um, attar before entering the state of ihram, um, but not necessary, not not as a means when a person is in the state of Haram to be able to put on attar. The third one, as the sunnah acts of 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 the uh, um, of the hajj is to wear a white waist wrapper, something that you put un- around the waist. And a loose outer garment.
1: Sheikh, there is a few questions that has come through. The first question that reads on our SMS is from the number four three, And it says, As-Salam Sheikh, please elaborate on the hudu on hajj. According to the Shafi Madhab, your hoodoo is broken if a stranger touch you. How should one take hoodoo?
0: I think it's a relevant question to many of the people who's under the impression that your wudu breaks for every little thing Um what I mean by that is that uh, 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 people are the impression that every time they touch something or somebody um, it, it is not as finite as that Allah hasn't made the deen a uncomfortable process and you need to rush up and take wudu do every time you see, if somebody touches you, when he touches you with his hand, his open hand, he touches your body, then that breaks your wudu, obviously. But somebody passes you by and just touches your, his hand, and touches your hand your, in, in, in passing and, and not, not intended, then that does not break the wudu of the person. That does not break the wudu of the person. Um, I'm, I'm speaking like, especially when the person is walking in Tawaf or inside. Can you imagine how many times Must you take wudu then But that is not what the intention is It is when you In Islam it's not Recommended for a male and a foreign Female to touch one another's Hands and Nabi Sallallahu wa Never ever touched the hand of a foreign female So his wudu Would not be broken in that sense but the touching of wudu that was a reference to what Imam Shafi'i says And especially when the question comes from the Shafi' to the Hanafi to the Hanbali to the Maliki Then you need to have Shafi'i wudu or Hanafi wudu that, that is not the details of what our deen is Our deen says if the wudu has been broken when somebody touch your hand And touch here, it takes your hand or you take the person's hand Then your wudu is broken, that's obvious but. If in passing, and in movement, and, 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 and there's no intention, no thought, no dream, he just touches and you touch then uh, and, and, and the touching is just uh, scraping by, then there's noth- nothing intended, then doodoo is not needed to be broken, or, or is not broken, then you prece- proceed on and carry on with your ibadah. Allah hasn't made the religion of Islam a difficult religion, it's a very finite Precise religion but not To the misunderstanding of us Thinking that No you, If you have wudu Unless you break your wudu Under normal circumstances Then the wudu must be re, uh, Refreshed to be able to carry on In in, 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 in uh, um. The issue Of what happens where our people Say about having to be In a state of, of a Hanafi abdas because the Hanafi Abdus doesn't break your wudu, that is not true either. Right? Um, which means there's a wudu that doesn't break you, Abdus, or, or a wudu that breaks you. That, that, uh, that, is, not, that is not the truth. Because um, the understandings that many of our people have, uh the hujaji had the ice eight na churti meinsafah na uh m canze abdas ni bries uh and then as him as afrim the months of an nifsfa kurt and amal and ma'fata na raka na brika abdash now she can keep abdas up till the airport or further than the airport. No, that is not the truth. No, way is that any truth? Unfortunately, it is wrong. You cannot allow a foreigner to touch you. If a foreigner touches you, your wudu is broken, especially if it's intended, especially if the person comes and greets you and touches your hand or takes you this or you take the person's hand. It is not what the deen of Islam preaches to us. Allah did not send us a deen where it's permissible that a foreigner can touch a Hanafi or a Hanafambali. If a if a foreigner touches a humbly woman, if a foreign man touches a humble, woman, her wudu is totally broken. Absolutely, broken into pieces, into to a billion pieces, broken to every state. And if it's a hard uh, Marad, no different is it broken in any less than that. That is exactly what I... Oh, Dean doesn't say that if it's a Shafi Abdus, then the Wudu is broken, and when it's a Hanafi Abdus, it's not broken. Oh, no. When it's the touching of foreign people, touching one another, intentionally to touching, then the Wudu is totally broken. It In the Shafi Wudu and the Hanafi Wudu, if the person touches you unexpectedly, with no intention, a pass-by process, just a, a scrape of the hand, a scrape of a, a portion of the body with the person against you, then, then there's nothing wrong in that. This, the Shafiq say, doesn't say your wudu is broken, neither the Hanafi. It is when you intentionally touch or the person intentionally touches you, that is when the wudu is broken. And so there's no such a thing that the person can leave the house with a wudu that will not be broken when your, your family and your friends and your neighbors come to touch you and break your wudu. Your wudu is broken so you need to be able to then take wudu over and whether it's Shafi or Hanafi there is not such a thing in this team.
1: Shukran so much for that Sheikh I hope that you understand inshallah However I am going to be dedicating this time slot To some of the questions that has come through And uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams is in studio with me However Sheikh, so you heard Sheikh elaborate more On the, dhudu, the hudu on hajj that was sent through via SMS And there's a few other questions that came through Sheikh It says here, yeah, salam Sheikh If one goes on umrah, do you still owe Allah a hajj?
0: If one goes in Umrah does one still owe uh, 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 Allah to Allah Hajj. Allah tells us this, وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حَجُّ man مَنِ اسَّطَاءَ Sabila Man owes Allah the Hajj to the Baytullah. Allah tells us this, وَأَتِّمُّ الْحَجَّ وَالْعُمْرَةَ لِلَّهِ See that when you start off, that you complete the Hajj and the Umrah for the sake of Allah. That clearly indicates to us that if a person has done the umrah, the hajj is still felt upon the person. Mm. And that when a person has done a, 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 a hajj at a time when he's still young, a hajj needs to be done when he is in the age of puberty, he's mukallaf. he's responsible. That hajj will be accepted on his behalf, not the one before then.
1: Yeah. Shukran so much shaykh for that and then another question that has come through says is as uh, Can one combine Umrah and hajj out of the hajj period?
0: Allah says to us in the Holy Quran Al hajj Ashurum ma'lumat hajj has a very specific period that needs to be performed into which means you cannot perform hajj in t- time other than that if a person can join the Fajr salah and the doors are um, at eleven o'clock. Then probably you can do the Hajj and the Umrah outside the Hajj period. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry for that I don't
0: mean anything bad But I just, I just understand As you cannot perform You cannot make the niyyah Perfect niyyah <laughs> At 1 o'clock Or at 11 o'clock I'm going to make duar salah Or at 11 o'clock I'm going to make Fajr salah And I'm going join The Fajr and the duar salah Together at, at 11 o'clock It cannot be done Similarly If Allah has given To us specific periods And specific times And the time for salah Is very specific And just as The period for hajj is Ma'loom Very known so you cannot join the Hajj and the Umrah at the same time. The Umrah period is right through the year, and so you can join the Umrah into the Hajj period, but you cannot join the Hajj out of the Hajj period with an intention for Hajj at the time when you need to perform an Umrah.
1: Thank Sheikh, for answering those questions. There are no further questions that has come through as yet. So now we are going to be continuing as to where we lift off, Sheikh. Uh, that is in terms of the Sunnah acts on the Hajj. Inshallah, sheik we'll then uh, be continuing on that in uh, in terms of when we are going to be going for as a broadcast. But for now, Sheikh, ta um,
0: We were busy on the Sunnah acts before before the the the. the for the sunnah acts during the hajj, and we said initially there was seven, there's much more than seven in the whole hajj, but there's seven that, that deals with the hajj processes for, 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 for that matter. Um, some of them is the ones that you need to do whilst in the state of ihram, um, like the ghusl, as we said, and and, and the, uh, the perfume on the body before the ihram, and the fact that the ihram must be white and must be two pieces for the males, is the ones that we've mentioned. Um the other one is the Nabi Sallallahu Wasallam indicates to us to pray in, uh, at Dhul Khulayfa if you're going through Dhul Khulayfa, or to pray at all the miqat if you're going through those miqat um, as a sunnah when you enter into the state of ihram. Being for the ihram process, uh, may Allah open the path for all of us. It is noted that Umar narrated that he heard the Messenger of Allah while in the valley of Arqik say, Tonight a visitor from my Lord came to me and said, Pray in this blessed valley and say, I intend to put up, to put the Umrah with a Hajj. SubhanAllah, the quwwata illa billah. The first one of the, the ones that we said is, is raising one's voice whilst repeating the Talbiyah. Raising one's voice with reference to the males, whilst repeating the talbiyah, it is mentioned to Adjibaril came to me says the Nabí sallallahu alayhi sallam and ordered me to order my companions to raise their voices while saying the talbiyah, reference to the men. Because of this, the companions of the Messenger of Allah used to raise their voices at this. Abu Ham. Uh, Hazim said The companions of the messenger of Allah After they entered the state of Ihram Would not reach At Rauha Before their voices Has become hoarse Of raising their voices Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah Meaning The Sahaba radiallahu anhu Then take to the sunnah tariqah Of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam To raise their voices And allow me just to say here it doesn't need to be able to hurt you or it doesn't need to really be yelling. You can you can actually just raise your voice where it becomes vibrant and clear. Right? As I said, um, we don't shout, we just say Labbaikallahuma <laughs> Labbaik La Sharika Laka Labbaik in alhamdah Mulk." la sharika lak you just need to raise the voice at those words right um and the next one is repeating the phrase subhanallah walhamdulillah wa la ilaha illallah wallahu akbar we praise repeating repeating that those phrases before the entry or before one says the talbiyah anas radiallahu anhu said the messenger of allah prayed the noon prayer four raka'ats while he were in Medina and prayed, the afternoon prayed, two raka'ats at Dhul Hulaifa. Then he spent the night there until the morning. Then he rode until he was upon uh, uh, the, the, the Bayda area, praising Allah, Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah extolling his perfection and extolling his greatness then he made the talbiyah la baika allahumma labbaik labbaik la sharika lak labbaik innal hamda wan ni'mata laka wal mulk that is the sixth, the 6th the, the one of the, 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 the as we said the 6th uh, um sunnah acts for 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 hajj or for the Haram process and then we say to say the Talbiyah whilst facing the Qibla is the seventh one. It's recommended to be able to, st- when you stand at the beginning when making the Talbiyah, to face the Qibla to say the Qib- to say the- whilst doing that. And Nafi' said, when Ibn Umar would pray the morning prayer at Dhul hulayfa he would get his mount ready and then get on it. He used to face the Qibla saying the Talbiyah, as he sat on his mount, setting off to Mecca, he said that the Messenger of Allah also did that. Right? Subhanakillahi So, it's showing to us, not only were they doing the sunnah tariqah, but they trying to do it exactly as the Nabi sallallahu alayhi did. Now, there's a, a few Sunnah acts that's to be done while the person is entering Makkah, where the enters Makkah. So obviously, it's also part of the 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 the, 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 the coming in for either the Umrah or the Hajj. Um, there's six uh, factors there that needs to be considered. Those six factors is spending the night at uh, the tour, which means is an area just before entering Makkah. Performing a ghusl there, because this is what the Nabi sallallahu Alaihi wa did, and to enter Makkah during the daytime. The dhutuwa is just outside Makkah, as we said, just in the, the mountains area just above before you enter into Makkah, right? Into the valley, right? So, this Nafi' said, when Ibn Umar would enter the limits of the state of Ihram, um, if we, when it comes to the Prophet the, the Masjid al Haram, he would refrain from making the Talbiyah. He would then spend the night at the pray the morning prayer there, and make Ghusl. He narrated that the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam would do that. That is uh, the 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 fourth one of of the ones entering into the fifth one um entering Makkah through the higher ravine now the, the the higher ravine is the one at Dhu tua right so these these various ravines that you enter into the valley of Makkah and uh, the sunnah one that the nabi Wasallam was entered in was tua and it's only a recommendation and the sahaba did their very very best to be able to see that they go entering that if you go go from the area of when people come from medina then yes you will be entering in, into the tuwa today the roads are most, most made so easy that you can go through the tuwa from all the angles could you can get into the road to go through to the tuwa to enter into makkah but people there is many entrances into makkah or there is more than one and you probably can enter any one of them it's nothing wrong um, but the Sunnah tariqah is to enter into the, from the area of the Tu'a, which we call the higher ravine. And then the next one, um, that's the fifth one, uh, uh, is to step first with the right foot when you enter the masjid by saying, A'udhu Billahi, a'u, A'udhu Billahi al-azim. وَبِوَجْهِهِ الْكَرِيمِ وَسُلْطَانِهِ الْقَدِيمِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ اللَّهُمَّ صَلِّ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَسَلِّمِ اللَّهُمَّ افْتَحْ لِي أَبْوَابَ رَحْمَتِكَ right. um, the, 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 these, duas, uh, the, these are uh, the duas entering Mecca when the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam entered. It says, yeah, I seek refuge in Allah. The Great by his noble face and ancient authority from the accursed shaitan in the name of Allah, O Allah blessings and peace be upon the name of Muhammad. O Allah open for me your doors of mercy. Allahumma Amin Ya Rabbil Alameen. That is the meaning of the dua. The next one is Upon seeing the house it is strongly recommended. Upon seeing the house, one um, may raise his hands if so desires. Pardon the Sunnah. As such, is confirmed from Ibn Abbas. He says, Furthermore, if one wishes to make the following supplication, it is good as it has been confirmed from Umar. O oh Allah, Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam. O oh Allah, you are the source of peace and from you comes peace. And Our Lord, give us life in the abode of peace. Allah Rabi. This is of the du'as and the Sunnah ones that we said that when one enters Makkah We now get to the sunnah acts related to this the succumulating the of the house, which means when you Go in the tawaf and you some cumulates the tawaf or those. These sunnah acts to be done there. Those sunnah acts will follow inshaAllah.
1: Shukran so much for that, Shaykh. However, we still do have a few minutes left to the program. That was the Sunnah accent which sheikh has mentioned, inshallah. For those of you who want to get some more clarity on what she has been talking about, as well as you know, making getting your questions for Hajj and so forth, you can send them through to 47913. Alternatively, you can also send us through a WhatsApp message.
0: Okay, shukran for that one, the Sunnah accent related to the accumulation uh, of the house, the Kaaba, The tawaf around the Kaaba, those are quite a few ones of them. There, I don't think our time is gonna grant us all that permissibility to be able to go through all of them. I probably could just start with some of them putting the ends of the upper loose garment under the right armpit, exposing the right soldier. Right, that that is the first, as when with reference to the males here, yeah. Ibn Umayyya narrated that the Prophet sallallahu was accumulated while exposing his right soldier, right? Um, the right one is open, and that the right one is uh, usually away from the Kaaba. The left one is to the Kaaba side, facing the Kaaba, and he keeps the, the right one open. <coughs> and we said that the reason why the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did that, because that Allah ta'ala has informed the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in the seventh year of the Hijrah, that in actual fact... The people of Quraish had the intention to want to uh, To hit at them when Allah challenged them with the fact that they were uh, Tired and they were they were wet in, in, in having to get the rain coming on them while they are traveling And it was cold in the winter period and then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi Wasallam was informed by Jibreel That they should open the, uh, the, the right arm and they should go into the state of going in what we call the uh, um, movement of the, the uh, uh, Ramal. The next one, the second one, is touching the black stone. Ibn Umar said, I saw the messenger of Allah upon arriving in Makkah, touching and kissing the black stone. The black stone is called Hajr al-Aswat. While beginning to come succumbulate, he walked quickly in the first three of the, uh, of the seven and, and, and walked normally thereafter which means he had uh, the ramal process in the first three, and then between to, to touch the the, the, the Kaaba, the, the, the Hajj al-Aswad. The next one is, not only did he touch it, but he kissed the black stone, he kissed the Hajj al-Aswad. Zaid ibn Aslam related from his father who said, I saw Umar kiss the black stone. He then said, if it were not that I have seen the messenger of Allah kissing you, I would not have kissed you. SubhanAllah This is what Sayyidina Omar has done and Zaid says he saw the Nabi. Sayyidina Umar says that he saw the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Was doing so, so he did the same and that's the reason why he did that, the kissing of the black stone. Alhamdulillah. That brings us to the end of our programme for today. InshaAllah and we hope Allah will accept from all of us and allow us to make the final dua Bismillahir Rahman Rahim wal-Asr. ان الانسان لفي الا الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر صلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك والحمد لله رب العالمين
1: Alhamdulillah Rabbil that concludes our program for today